everybody, and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. This is the first podcast of 2023. Uh, Coach Luke in the house, Jake the producer in the house. We're back, looking forward to a good podcast. Jake, how you doing, bro? Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that stuff. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas. Good to be uh, back, back in Thailand, back to normality. So back from Thailand, back to normality, I should say. Yeah, we both just came back from Thailand, which was, which was pretty cool. Unfortunately, your boy got an illness there, so we weren't able to, to meet up, but... Here we are, January, what is it, 7th? January 7th, first podcast of the year. We got a lot to talk about, all kinds of stuff in the news. Of course, we haven't done a podcast in uh, a couple weeks. Um, all kinds of news this week. Jake Paul signing with the PFL. That should be really, really interesting, uh, particularly when you start talking about the contracts and stuff. Did you, did you see? I saw, because um, people saying, well, surely Ben Askren should be allowed to have another crack at him in a, in a, you know, a sport he actually does. And Askren just posted saying, there's no way because I'm under the UFC contract yeah. still. My contract's frozen, not released. But if someone can sort it out, sure, I'll rub his face in the canvas for five rounds. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And then apparently they're doing some kind of uh, super fight league where the athletes get 50% of the purse of the pay-per-view. And then, uh, you know, we got Dana White bitch slapping his wife. So that'll be in the news. And not to be uh, overstated, Dana, wife's, what, Dana White's wife bitch slapping him. <laughs> Uh, she was the instigator in this, ladies and gentlemen. We will get to that uh, in a bit. What else do we have? Uh, Andrew Tate arrested by Greta. You know, the pizza pizza box situation. So we'll talk about Andrew Tate with as much... I don't know. I don't know how what we'll say about him. We'll, we'll get to him <laughs> Nothing shortly. Nothing good. <laughs> and then uh, I had one more big piece of news that I wanted to talk about. What was it? What was it? What was it? Oh, yeah. The Ilya Tapuria street fight, which... I had, haven't seen yet, so I'm looking oh, forward to Oh, you're going to love this because his boy gave the single greatest teep in bar fight history. <laughs> teep this dude through a table. If you haven't seen this, we'll, we'll play it on the podcast for you guys so that you can see it. And uh, beyond that, we have a UFC next weekend, and we have one championship coming up next weekend. And then I got one of the best uh, uh, calls of, of my professional career where some of the executives at one sent me a message about the One Lumpini shows. Very and, jealous. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast. If you don't know, uh, One Championship is now in collaboration with uh, Lumpini Stadium in Thailand. So they're going to put on Friday night fights basically every week. And uh, the executives asked me, they're like, so how often can you judge and I said, how many shows do you have? <laughs> I said, you can send them to me and I will never say no. I'm your boy. So I think I'm about to get uh, balls deep in even more one judging, which I'm totally thrilled for. They actually have me booked for, I think, three or four shows over the next six weeks. Um, so I'll be there pretty much every other weekend. And what I'm going to do is Jake and I will podcast when we're in town. We'll keep the Stronghold podcast going regularly. We're going to get more frequent updates Um and uh, when I'm there, when I'm doing the one shows, I'm going to start a vlog. I don't know if you guys give a shit about what I do or what I don't do, but at this point, I'm overcommitted on this thing, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And you then go we'll it anyway. You may as well talk about it. May as well. You know, and uh, there's some cool stuff I have backstage. I've shown you guys a, a little bit of it, but I figure I may as well just actually uh, dedicate my time to this because I'm going to be there more often and I won't be able to do as many podcasts. And I have to put out more content or this thing is never going to grow. So uh, that was my New Year's resolution, and we're going to make that happen. And in addition to that, I'm also going to ramp up the, the technique videos. So that will be a brief plan for uh, 2023. Jake and I are excited, and we're firing this thing off right away. Jake, where should we start, man? Where do you want to start with this? Let's start with the uh, salacious gossip to get people interested, and then we'll actually do the proper fight talk and there's stuff so like much, that. There's so much gossip. What's the most salacious? It's probably got to be Dana White, right? Yeah, that's never a good look, hitting a woman, no matter if she hits you first. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely not a good look. Although I will say, I differ a little bit on the the sort of mainstream opinion on this because, first of all, well, the, actually Charmaine had the fucking craziest take, right? My wife Charmaine, we we watched the video of it together. I was just like watching you know YouTube videos or whatever, and then all of a sudden I just keep seeing this headline like Dana White slaps wife, Dana White slaps wife in Cabo or whatever on New Year's dinner, and then we watched the video, and then Dana's wife slaps him for they're like. They're doing some weird thing where he's like holding her hands. Like they're obviously, I think, are they in a casino? Is that, is a, that not, a, a nightclub for New Year, I believe. A nightclub, is it? Yeah. So you can tell that they're a little ramped up. Dana White later said that they're both drunk and everything. First of all, they've been together for 30 years. Dana White and his wife have been together for 30 years. And so <laughs> my wife's take, take on it was, yeah, she deserved that. I was like, <laughs> I was like whoa, that's like <laughs> coming in hot over here with this uh, strong take. And I... I told Charmaine, I was like, I don't know if I would go that far, but there is something to be said for, you know, women can't hit men either. Like, you can't do that either. Yeah, you generally, generally speaking, people shouldn't be hitting one another unless it's in a ring in a combat event. Yes, exactly. I, I thought Sean O'Malley had an interesting uh, take on it. He said something to the effect of, like, you know, she, she did hit him first, and they're both drunk, and it's really hard to, especially when you're drunk, be hit by somebody and not hit them back. Yeah. And it's not like he wailed on her. So he probably slapped her as hard as she slapped him. I don't know, Jake. Let's let's. Pull. He, he did not. He did not swing from the rafters to no, crack us all. No. And again, I don't she agree. She slapped with what him he did. harder. I think. Yeah. Let's watch the video on this and see if we can. I don't know if we can show it. I don't know if we can show. We can maybe show it without some audio. I don't know because it's a TMZ thing and they they pull down a lot of stuff. Let's let's watch it together. Okay, and let's not, let's watch it together it and see who was the. Uh, hardest slapper now let me just be abundantly clear about this <laughs> a man should never ever slap a woman this, yeah. this should go without saying and i'm not justifying this under any any circumstances but a woman also can't hit a man and that's just the end of it they can't hit each other yeah she gave him a good one go back a little bit oh he, he gave her uh, a, he it's gave not her a good, good look too he gave her a pretty good one too yeah let's let's see this one more time so it seems like her head's down in her hands and she's upset. He grabs her hands and then, listen, she definitely instigated. There's just no question. <clears throat> Oof. And then he gave her one right back. Let's keep going. Does he do it again? No, just. No, no, oh, he, oh, he did. Yeah, he did it twice. Oh, he did it twice. Yeah, see that's. And now they're, now, oh, she, now she smacks him again and they're pushing each other. And then it's on. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know, Jake. What's your take on this? My take on this is I have angered many women in my life. <laughs> and several of them have hit me. And I've never once hit them back. I am and in agreement with you. I have been slapped <laughs> in arguments multiple times and I've never once slapped back. Yes. Um, it is very, very difficult like, to know what to do. The only thing I do is turn to their friends immediately and say, you've got to get them to stop. The greatest way I've ever seen this situation dealt with is my mate Chris back home, who is a big, big fella, like he must be 6'5 or something like that, and he's built as well. He uh, had severely angered one of his ex-girlfriends, and we're in a nightclub one night, and we came out in the nightclub, and he'd been with another girl in the nightclub, and she went ballistic at him, this girl. She's clawing at him, scratching at him, and all this stuff. He's like holding it off, he's not doing anything. He turns to the girl who's attacking him's brother, and says to the brother, you either get her off me now, or I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Oh, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, out of the guy and the, guy and the brother just came in and, like, and dragged her off with all his mates. But that's the you best... Misdirect the anger toward the other guy. Yeah, that's the best <laughs> I've ever seen this situation handled. Threaten to beat someone else up unless they make the girls stop. 
Okay, so what's your opinion on... Okay, because I differ slightly from like the mainstream thing in a little bit of the sense of... I'm a little bit in the Bill Burr uh, uh, opinion on this. Where you know he has that joke about Chris Brown beating up Rihanna. And he's like, he says something along the lines of, what do you think was the conversation before he hit her? She's just like, oh, you know, how are you doing today? Blah! And all of a sudden he starts wailing on her. So here's my point. Like, women can't hit men either. No. You can't do that. And you certainly can't do that and expect to be free of all consequences. It is a two-way street. The man can't hit the woman, and the woman can't hit the man. Now, the difference is, of course, men carry more physical consequences with if they choose to hit a woman, right? Like, if Charmaine hits me... Like, she's not going to hurt me, even if she tried. I could actually hurt her. This is where there's the difference. But that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to doing that. And the thing is, is it's hard to not react, right? Like, if somebody smacks you in the face, it's great to sit here and be like, oh, I would just sit there and be great. No, you're not. You're going to be pissed and you may lash out. Now, you shouldn't. But people do, and Dana's a fucking Boston dude, and him and his wife have been together for 30 years. You think they haven't seen some shit? They've definitely seen some shit. This is not a justification for uh, anything that he did. But I just can't stand the Every single article that I see, the only narrative is Dana White smacks wife. Dana White smacks wife. Dana White smacks wife. Well, she smacked him first. Yeah. And I'm not saying he should smack back. He definitely should not. But this is a two-person thing. This, this goes both ways. You know, you can't hit him either. Yeah. You just can't do that. It goes both ways. And I just hate the narrative that it's only, like, one side. Yes, of course, men should never do that. And if this does happen, it is up to the man to be the, be the uh, take the high road, let's say. Right? If, if your girl hits you, don't fucking hit back. That 100% goes without saying. But you can't also hit your man and just expect that they're going to take the high road every time because they're angry and people lash out and it's very hard especially when you're drunk and you all of a sudden are hit i guarantee you he regrets that i guarantee you oh they both they both will regret it they both both hate themselves for the way they handled it there's no question about that but to pretend like you're that everybody out there there's a certain percentage people of people who would lash out and do that and they would regret it because it's a terrible thing to do but I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think, Jake, is her percentage of responsibility in this? Oh, no. It's entirely, like, 50-50. And as well, like, here's some solid life advice for you. I just checked his age. 53. Don't be in a nightclub when you're 53. That's, that's the number one cause of your problem. Like, Jesus Christ, stay at home and have a nice dinner for New Year. Don't go to a nightclub in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then what do you think? I saw... What do you think... I don't know, man. Fuck, it's tough. Because I also, you're married. Yeah. I'm married. We have both done, I don't know anything about you and your wife's situation. I don't know how you guys handle conflict. But as one married man to another, I can look you in the eyes and say, we've both probably done some terrible things. A, when we were drunk. B, when we were in an argument with our wives. Or C, a combination of the two, which is probably like worst case scenario. And the reality is, this can be a little bit of an ugly subject, but... When you're with somebody for a long time, you do things that you never think you would do. You say shit, you react in poor ways, and especially with that person that you've been with for so long. The longer you're with a person, the more guarantee it is that that person will see the worst side of you. 
just by the sheer volume of time that you spend with them, right? Yeah, but not only that, like I could walk, I could go back to um, my place today, Emma'd be there, I could say something to her, I knew I would know exactly what to say to her to piss her off and start yes. an argument. Like they know the buttons that. to push. Yep, right? like without any problems. Yep. We, we and that goes both and ways. And she can do the same to me. Yes, we don't. And, and we've both probably yes, done it. Do so it. have our spouses, right? It's just <laughs> fuck, man. It's tough. It's and tough to be married and do you, this thing. You throw in all day drinking on top of that combo. Mm-hmm. Like my god, like I mean, again, don't hit each other. That's that's what it is. But like you must have done it as well, where you've been out for drinks with like other married people or people who've been together a long time, and a couple just end up in a blazing argument yeah. over nothing. You're like. Uh, what it will, we're all just going to leave now, so see you later. Yeah, and it also kind of, it's it, it sort of, again, I know I have a little bit of a weird perspective. First of all, I grew up and saw domestic abuse. I saw my sister's ex-husband fucking deck her in the face when I was like eight years old. I've seen my mom hit before. I grew up in country-ass bumpkin West Virginia, okay? And for like all of these people that are choosing to comment on this subject that think that we are beyond an age where people can like snap and then slap their spouse again both ways listen you better be coming from a fucking high ass pedestal to think that like the vast majority of the population is better than that at their worst moment stop it stop it everybody does stupid shit when they're pissed and stupid shit with your wife when you're drunk. I'm not excusing all of this, but we are fucking human, everybody. And we all do shit we regret. Dana said something, um, I don't know if it's true, but I would suspect it, it could be true, where he's, he said he'd been together with his wife for 30 years and that's never happened. Oh, yeah, I can, I, I can, I can 100% believe that. believe that. I can believe that, yep. too. I could definitely believe that. And you know, but oh, it's it, New Year. They're on holiday. They're down in Mexico. They're in the 50s. Maybe, just maybe, you know, they've done a little bit of the old Colombian marching powder while they're down there, <laughs> been drinking champagne all night and stuff like that, and just going to, for the first time ever, got into a ridiculous row over nothing. And it's in public. That's the worst part. It's in public. Like, people can see you. That guy's got a phone. You know, it's... I feel sorry, I feel sorry for both of them. I do too. Like, I think they both did certainly didn't want that, and that doesn't even mean that that's happened all the time, but... Guys, shit happens between you and your wife when you've been together for a long time. Again, this is no justification before anybody's like, "Ah!" it's what I'm saying is obvious. Don't hit your spouse, period. Man to woman, woman to man. But Jesus Christ, like, you know, it's just part of the human condition. We all do shit that we shouldn't do. And he should definitely be punished. I don't know how to punish him. Like I saw that, uh, you know, the UFC stocks went down and, you know, you see all this kind of stuff online, and I don't. What do you think that, that the UFC or WME or whatever should do with Dana? How do you handle that? I don't know. Like he he has a very public platform. Like he, if if I was in his position, I would use my public platform to then highlight the actual what actual real domestic abuse is, how to spot it, and how to help someone who's in that scenario. Like if if he does that, then something. That message would go out to a lot, a lot of people, and something good would come out of this scenario. It is, it is weird though, man. It's a pretty crazy thing because I, I have been smacked in an argument before, and I've never smacked back. Uh, the good thing about training martial arts for for so long is you, you, you are able to cope with that. Just like there's been times where I'm sparring and I get hit maybe harder than I wanted to be, or I get hit and I get, I get fucking pissed because I'm like, I was going light, and then someone tags you, and you're like, dude. 
and you're just about to fucking lay into him, right? Yeah, and yeah. then you no wait. <laughs> you breathe and you're like, okay, I gotta let it go. Maybe he didn't mean to. Maybe even if he did, doesn't mean I should punish him back. I've spent two decades trying to like quell that fucking rage that I get, right? And when somebody smacks you in an argument, especially when it's your spouse, and again, I got a few of them over my time, <laughs> deservedly. Uh, probably not deservedly. I would never say deservedly. No, I, no, all mine, no one all did, mine were 100% deservedly. Really? At point, yeah. I don't know. Where, where do you put the spectrum on someone deserving to be hit? I don't really think someone deserves to be hit. It doesn't mean that I can't see why it happened, especially even this. I understand why Dana hit back. I don't understand why she smacked him because I, I don't know what he said. I don't know what he did. Maybe he said something fucking brutally cunty, just god awful. No, Maybe he pushed it, that button on her yeah. that we're talking about, right? It would have been a ridiculous argument over nothing. I'll bet money on that now. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> stupid. It was probably so stupid in hindsight. But so I don't think anybody deserves to be hit. But this is kind of my point, and it goes both ways. But I understand the impulse. Mm. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm not justifying it in either side. Because I've been smacked in arguments, and I don't believe I deserve to be hit, but I understand why they did it. Because I was being a dick. Now, does me being a dick mean that someone should hit me? No. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, like Bill Burr said, it's not like it came out of nowhere, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not just hanging out and all of a sudden get hit in the fucking face. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough subject, man. It's a tough subject. Not a good look. Um. I definitely think something should be done. You, should, you definitely can't get off scot-free for doing that. You no. Know? But like I say... I like, don't know if it should be, can, should it be canceled. No, make some actual good come out of it. Actually, like, get a domestic abuse charity on board or something like that. Ask them what you should do to make amends. Should you like give a load of money to a women's shelter? Should you highlight the dangers of domestic abuse and all these things? And actually do something positive. Him and his wife can go on TV, make a joint statement. We're going to support this charity. You can help this organization. You can help victims of domestic violence by doing this thing. And actually atone for what you've done. Don't just give a like, fake apology. I'm sure they very Well, they sorry. both did it. Let's make no yeah. mistake about it. They both did it. It's, yeah. it's, it, this is the thing that annoyed me is every article I said or that I saw was something along the lines of Dana White domestic abuse against wife or something. It's like, is it not domestic abuse as the female smacks the man? That is still, they're a domestic relationship. It is 100% domestic abuse if the female smacks the guy. Now, the guy should stop there, 100%. But she definitely, Dana White is a victim of domestic abuse. <laughs> I know it sounds weird. No, he's yeah, he's correct. Because he's not really threatened by her. But the, the point is, is she lashed out, and he lashed out, and he lashed out multiple times. He's definitely the <laughs> asshole. In this situation, he has to be the one to take the high ground, even if he's pissed. 100%. He could actually hurt her. She can't really hurt him. He is 100% more of the dick in this situation. But she played a part. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. <sighs> anyway. It's a tough one. I'm going to get canceled for this. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So what we're saying is, who, who do you reckon hit harder? Dana White when he hit his wife or that video you've got up of where you accidentally catch Charmaine in sparring? Yeah. Oh, I've head kicked her and, and shared that. But that was consensual. That was a consensual That's fine. head That's kick. That's fine then. Don't worry about it. Hey, she's hit me. She's definitely, when me and Charmaine spar, she's definitely the one who's lost her temper and like gone 100% on me before. I obviously have never, never done that on her. But... We can also, my point is, is that we can relate. You know what it's like when you roll with somebody and you're trying to chill with somebody and then all of a sudden someone goes ape shit on a submission that you weren't ready for and fucks your arm up or whatever. And you're like, dude, 
and you have that rage yeah. and it starts to build inside you and you're like bro i could fuck you up right now if i wanted you know the, the worst one's muay thai sparring when you're like right we're gonna go about 40 percent something like that and then some big i like I'm not that big. Some big dudes, 40% and my 40% are not the same thing. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is miserable. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so it's a tricky subject, especially when you're dealing with husbands and wives. And, and generally, I feel like that is something that is better dealt with behind closed doors and not being in the public Again, eye. But you're in the public yeah. eye, so now you have to deal with it. Don't be 53 and being in a nightclub. That, that, <laughs> I can 100% stop that from ever happening again to them. Don't go to a nightclub. You're in your 50s. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, I don't go to a nightclub ever, so... <laughs> yeah, can't, can't tell you the last time I went to a nightclub. Me neither. I'm a, I'm a pub guy. I'm a bar guy. I'm not really a nightclub guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, that, that was pretty crazy, though. Definitely not a good look for the EOC. I mean, it's not like a... It's not a Ray Rice situation. It's not like a War Machine and a Christy Mack situation. It's not like a, any of those type of situations. Like, obviously, nobody was, like, beaten, right? They both smacked each other in the face. It, it's definitely... A lesser thing extremely sad to watch but you know the human condition is uh not always pleasant especially when you're dealing with your, your partner for so long and uh yeah i don't know put it in the comments what do you guys think but again if we move on to our next one to show there's levels of this game no levels to a game dana white not a great idea towards your wife andrew tate in romania hmm Oh, yeah. I don't even know where to start with, with this one. I mean, Andrew Tate is such a he's such a polarizing figure right now. First of all, I'm not going to lie. I think he's kind of a douche. <laughs> like, like, a lot of people like his, his shtick, and I know he's got tons of fans. And I get, like, a sort of grain of truth into all of the things he says. He just strikes me as a mega douche. But it's called snake oil, and it's, you know, he's been around a long time. Like, he's not selling anything new. And what he's selling is a lie, in my opinion. Like, the way he's selling... <clears throat> and again, I don't know enough about it because I've not really read anything he's put out. I'm, just, I'm going off what I've read about what people have said about what he puts out there and, like, all this stuff about... Apparently, it's like a pickup artist course or something like that and all these things. Right, the first thing is, if you are, need, like, a pickup course to get women, you're not going to get women. <laughs> like, if you need help in doing that and you don't know how to approach someone normally and have a normal conversation with someone, no pickup course in the world is going to help you. You have terrible social skills. So and if you follow his advice? Oh, my God, yeah. They, and yet, you know, you see pictures of him with, like, Jordan Peterson's daughter. Did you, did you see those? Yeah, but she then addressed it and was like, no. She addressed just, it? Yeah, yeah, she just put out a video saying he flew her out to speak to her about a business deal was all it was. Stop it. Michaela Peterson definitely fucked him. There's no way. She's not just like, oh, I'm just going to go hang out with Andrew Tate. She's probably the type of person who's into that. Although she's married and I think maybe even has a kid. Does she have a kid? Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah. I'm not buying that at all. For a second. I'm not buying for a second that it was just a friendly little business deal. I don't know about that. But he just seems like a douche. He's just... I think part of it is like a shtick. Part of it is an online persona. Part of it is this, you know, it's just like this poor man's, I don't know, how would you describe it? Like a poor man's bro motivational type thing. I, I don't know. He just says crazy shit that get, that's, gets clicks and then he sprinkles in a little bit of truth and a little bit of like tough love type 
vibes to guys. And he represents this underrepresented group of these like incel type people and yep. these people that feel like things haven't been gone their way and people that feel like they need like to be talked to like that. And I get that. I'm a coach. I get people that some people like respond really well to like that kind of tough love speaking. But that guy, I don't know. He just sends me out, sends me really cunty, cunty vibes, you know? And the Greta thing made me laugh so hard. The pizza box <laughs> thing and him getting, I don't know how much of this like human trafficking thing that is true. I don't know what's the case of that. I don't know if this is a situation where people are just psyched to see him go down, what the evidence is. It seems like after they arrested him, almost nothing has come out in terms of evidence. No. I haven't seen anything. Um, I think it shed light on some of his business dealings and stuff like that. And he, he's clearly involved in some things that are not great in Romania, like sex lines and stuff like that. I know from um, my time in the UK, like when I used to live in there and stuff like that, like Romania's got a massive human trafficking problem and stuff like that. Like, let's put it this way. I'm setting up a legit business. I ain't fucking setting it up in Romania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what they actually have on him or whatever. But the thing with the, with the worst thing, pull up these tweets, Jake, if you don't mind. The, the grossest thing about this, and this is the kind of shit I'm talking about, Andrew Tate. I'm not a guy who's like into the idea of toxic masculinity as it is now in the, the mainstream culture. Toxic masculinity definitely exists, just like toxic femininity definitely exists. The mainstream approach with subjects like this is to label things that are definitely not toxic masculinity. Jordan Peterson gets called a toxic masculinity. I mean, all Jordan Peterson does is just say, personal responsibility, clean up after yourself, get your shit together. Like, real toxic masculinity is this, this Twitter thing that you see between Greta, Jake Shields, and, uh, and Andrew Tate. Where Jake Shields is responding on this message. Did you see this? No. Talking Jake. about how all the Greta needs is to be fucked. Oh, yes, did I did see see that. See if you can if you can uh, Google this, Jake Shields, Greta, and Andrew Tate. If you just Google that, you're gonna find the tweet uh, maybe quicker than if you go through the whole thing. This is the toxic masculinity thing. I I think a, most of the stuff that you see in mainstream news is not toxic masculinity. Most of it is just regular sort of masculinity. It, it's within the bounds of res, like normal. Masculinity, but then when you see Jake Shields and Andrew Tate talking about how all Greta needs to do is just be fucked, it's like that. First of all, she's a teenager, right? Is yeah. she 18 or 19 now? Yeah, yeah I, so I, maybe I, you I, throw I, that up there. Yeah, so Andrew Tate says, I don't know, can you see, is there a, uh, the previous tweet that, that Tate said? Oh, let's read this first. So Andrew Tate says, uh, she ain't ready. Jake Shields says, to Andrew Tate, uh, Andrew Tate and Greta Thunberg need to stop flirting and just fuck already. Jake Shields says, give her a proper smashing and she will knock it off with her crazy feminist climate nonsense. That is toxic masculinity. Like, that is some fucked up thing to say. Give her a proper smashing and she'll knock it off with crazy feminist climate nonsense. First of all, I want to go up a little bit. What does Sorry. feminist and climate change, he puts a <laughs> slash in between. Nice. What a... Fucking stupid thing to say. She's not known for being a feminist. She's known for a climate change. Also, how do you she... pair those things together? Like feminist climate change shit. Like those aren't opposite sides of the coin. What are you even talking about? And all she needs is a proper smashing and she will stop talking about climate change. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> how is that how it works? Brilliant. 
And then, uh, I don't know who this OJ dude is, and he responds with, sometimes the D is all they need, and then Jake Shields is like, the majority of the time. I mean, this is toxic masculinity. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, this is such a stupid thing to say. Like, what an awful, dumb thing to say. That's your take? That's your take on this situation? Like, man. Which, I really hate all of this woke, like, toxic masculinity thing. But this is where they're right. Is just be like, yeah, all she needs is a big old dick, and then that's going to solve the problem. Then she'll learn to take her place in the kitchen. (laughs) This goes back to my original point, though. Like, oh... People who speak like that and then go on a pickup course, you're still not going to have any success with any sort of woman that you'd want to settle down and, like, marry. Like, yeah, you can totally pick up some skanks with that attitude, but that's not a fucking great way to live your life either. And then he talks, table talk about how, like, women are his property and all that stuff, and I'm just like, dude, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll make jokes about that with, like, my boys that are just, just to say something crazy. I'll even fuck around with Charmaine like that, but of course she knows it's a joke. I would never say it in like, and you never really know the tone, but with him, you feel like you kind of know the tone. But in part of it with him is just, this is what gets clicks. And then once he gets the eyes, he trickles in a little bit of like actual things that people really, like a real person would say. Yeah. And that's sort of how he draws his thing. But like that whole tweet thing, and then what did, what did Greta say uh, after he got arrested for the ordering the pizza? She uh, said something. That, that's why you should recycle your pizza box. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was the best. Yeah, that's why you should recycle your pizza boxes. She fucking crucified him on that last tweet. That is hilarious. But and this goes back like he he uses the exact same tactics that um, Scientology used to use to lure people in. So I don't know how much you know about this. I've read oh, yeah. a book about it once. I've gone down a few rabbit yeah, holes. Yeah. And and what they used to do is they didn't obviously call people in straight away and be like, okay, so uh, Space Jesus invented us all and aliens are obsessed by gold or whatever it is that they're into. You obviously can't start with that because people would be like, oh, fuck off, this is crazy. So what they used to do is they used to start by just calling people in, not even about Scientology, but look, we've got these courses and you know we think, we think these courses could really help you be successful with your life. And the courses 100% worked. And it was just simple things that like some most of us take for granted but some people just can't do like how do you actually organize your time successfully yeah. is a skill that some people just do not possess but you can learn it like um how do you talk to people and make yourself you know interesting and affable is a skill that can be taught so that's how scientology used to start off with like something that works the truth that works and it's the same thing with andrew tate he starts off with the truth that works. So yeah, like if you... But he says the outrageous thing to draw the clicks in. Yes. And then after the outrageous thing makes you click, because you're like, who the fuck would say this? Then he'll sprinkle a little yeah. bit of that real stuff in there. Yeah. Like, and if, if you're, you know, uh, like if you're badly out of shape, dead end job, like you know, the, the stereotypical like living in your parents' basement video game obsessed watching porn all the time yeah it's pretty like there's a lot of things you can do to sort yourself out and make yourself better like you can get you know you can start working out you can start taking care of yourself you can start working better all these things will work and all these things will uh make you better that side of what he says is 100 percent true and i 100 percent agree with so he is right about some things but where he's completely wrong is in his attitude towards women being property, in his attitude to how you treat women and how you can treat women and things like that. Like, trust me, that's not, like, 
I'm, I'm married. I've been married over 10 years and stuff like that. None of that shit would fly with my wife. Oh, fuck no, because she'd smack you right in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she probably already has, according to the previous Dana White, Dana White story. <laughs> no, but it, it, you know who it also reminds me of? There's a very similar story along with like the Liver King, right? The, li- the Liver King is a very similar thing. What you're getting is this people going to this online persona. They're creating this online persona that is – did you see the more plates, more dates thing about – Oh, yeah. That had the bit about what uh, – I can't remember. The guy who spoke over top of the video. Maybe you could throw this on because he, he, he did such a great thing if you can go to that video. I just can't remember what the terms he used were. But, you know, it's like this snake oil salesman type vibe. You're going to get people who are going to say these ridiculous things. They're going to build this base. But they're not – really the people that you they're they're selling you a product and the product that they're selling you is that this is the one thing that will fix you this is the answer to all of the questions that you need you're this type of person i have the answers that nobody will tell you i have the secret sauce you follow me you sign up for my course you take my supplements you do this thing and i will get you to where you need to be everybody else is lying you're in the matrix i'm going to give you the fucking blue pill and we're going to get you know all of that shit which is all horseshit. Specialists, expertise, people that actually have real meaningful shit to say, don't do that. That's what hucksters do. That's what snake oil salesmen do. It's complicated. And if you pitch a one-size-fits-all solution to every problem and that I'm the guy, I have the answers that you need. Everybody else, this is what, yeah, the matrix, this is what the people won't tell you. This is what the experts refuse to say. This is what mainstream media is hiding. All of that, as soon as you hear that shit, run. Because that's not real. That's all horseshit. Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, if, if anyone's looking at that thinking, all right, yeah, Liver King, I'm going to do what Liver King says and I'm going to like get in shape. It's New Year. I'm going to push for it and everything like that. I'm natty, bro. <laughs> I'm totally natty. That's why my six pack is fucking bulging and, like, yeah, and made out of plastic. <laughs> and I just eat liver and live a healthy lifestyle. No, that's but, it. Like New Year, people trying to get back in shape and stuff like that. It's actually not that complicated. Like if you can increase your step count somewhere between 8,000, 10,000 steps a day, you can do the simplest exercise program. You don't need any equipment. Uh, what? Push, pull, squat. squat. Yeah. You could do it off those three things. Do push-ups. You need a pull-up bar and you can squat and do mm, three sets of 10 and eventually work your way. You could do it all for free without any coaching and stuff like that. Push, pull, squat, three sets, 10 each, work up through the levels. If you can't do a full push-up, start on your knees. If you can't start on your knees, lean against the wall. If you can't do a full squat, start sitting in a chair, standing up and getting out of the chair. If you can't do a full pull-up, what can you do? Aussie rows. You can do, you know, yeah. Yeah, Aussie rows. You, you can do assisted one, just stand and kind of squat as you do it and you just yeah, yeah. The, or Oh, yeah, the, the chair one. But that's not flashy and marketable, Jake. No, no. That's the problem. This is what I'm telling you. Sign up for my fitness pal. Work out how to be in a calorie deficit. Do that for what? How long do you reckon? This is too complicated, Jake. You've already lost me. <laughs> You've already lost me, man. I need to know that all I need to do is eat a just pound eat, right, of liver no, a day. All right, I'm lying. Just eat liver. But oh, if you can't eat liver, though, because it's horrible, oh, I've got some supplements you can take But Andrew instead. Tate's got a Bugatti, and I need to know the secret to uh, getting a Bugatti. Really, And I need to know it quick. I need to know instant answer to the problems that I'm having, and I need to know it now, and I need to know where I can sign up for $59.99 a month to get the answers that I need. <laughs> that I need. But how, how long? Like New Year's, people will be pushing it now, New Year's. You've got to give it three months. Yeah, oh, like, I've got three months of consistency. Minimal, not, not to get jacked, I just mean to look better. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. And uh, anyway, we don't have to watch the video or whatever. But if you watch the Liver King lie, the the video that more plates, more dates did. Jesus Christ! At this point, it's four point six million views. But there's a, there's a, a segment in the middle there where he has a friend talking about all of these snake oil salesmen and these sucks. That's brilliant. That is a brilliant piece of writing. I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately, and I don't want to sit here and watch the video. But if you haven't seen that, go watch that. Because that's exactly what these people do. It's exactly, they, they promise you all of the answers. They promise you things that they have a way to do it that other people don't. And you just see this stuff repeat itself over and over and over again. It's that, what's that fucking dickhead that had Diego Sanchez for a while? Um, oh, the cult leader guy. Yeah, oh God, what's his name? Ugh. Anyway, you guys all know who I'm talking. Fuck, what is that guy's name? Can't remember. But he said, he said the same thing. Like, you hear this kind of guru talk, right? This kind of like, uh, this guru talk where some people have all of the answers. And if you just pay me, then I'll teach you all the. Anytime you hear that run, and that, that's what Andrew Tate is doing. He's sort of the modern guy that emphasizes that. And he was a kickboxing world champion, kind of like a lower tier kickboxing world champion. He wasn't like the best of the best in terms of kickboxing. He wouldn't have beat like the glory guys or he wouldn't have beat like the world-class kickboxers, but he was a good kickboxer. Um, and so anyway, I, I don't know what's going on in terms of the actual updates on the human trafficking thing. I guess we, we're kind of compelled to talk about it because it's all fucking anybody's talking about. It. And this is a martial arts podcast and he, he was a kickboxer. I've kind of avoided talking about him on the podcast because... Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up and I can't find it. But if you sort of like search, um, to, to show how old this is and how long this has been around, if you go on Google and search like 1920s exercise program, it'll bring something up called the Daily Dozen. I just can't get big enough images of it. And this was like the same thing, the snake oil program from back in the day saying, oh, I've got the answer. You do these dozen exercises and you'll be in superhuman condition. And I can't bring it up, but the exercise is bullshit. Like... Doing some jumping jacks and stretching a little bit and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's not going to do anything for you. So it's been around forever. Yeah. And this, I mean, it's, it's what it is, is with Tate and with the Liver King is they, they found out how to market themselves well. And they hit on a niche that a lot of people devote that are underrepresented, particularly in Andrew Tate's situation. There is an entire generation of people who can't communicate with women, have deteriorating social skills, don't go outside, they sit inside, they play video games, they're not getting girls, they, they're not active in a community, they feel isolated. And when you have a person that's charismatic and he comes and he, you feel like he's talking to you and he strikes a chord with you. And even I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to him may disagree with certain things that he says. But when you feel like you're part of that underrepresented group and he calls you out specifically and he puts, he has a path that you can go and you see his Bugattis and you see the women that he's with and he was a kickboxer and he just, he hits that chord and he goes viral and everybody starts talking about him and it, it sort of feeds into it. Once you are able to actually hit that niche and find that right thing, I just feel like there's a little bit of personal responsibility that you have to, you have to take. And the marketing thing where it's like, it's easy. All you got to do is just follow this program. As soon as you hear that, 
you, you got to run because it's not easy. It takes so much time and so much energy. And realistically, what those people need is they need a community. You need a community around you. If you want to work out and you want to get in shape and you're, you're one of those people that has a hard time, you need to be around people that keep you accountable. Just, Do you think anybody – who's keeping Andrew Tate accountable? Who's keeping all these people accountable? You need friends around you who just be fucking honest with you and keep you together and call things like they see it and tell you that there is not an easy path. Yeah. This is going to take – time you might you might have flaws as a human and you're gonna have to work on this shit and you're gonna fall back on yourself and you're gonna make mistakes and you know it's like the alcoholic that just drinks and drinks and drinks and then maybe they get up they get sober for a while and then they relapse and who are the people that stop drinking it's the people with that serve a community around them and then someone you can call someone that can help you you try to do it on your own it's not going to happen so if you're one of those people that's sitting in your house on your computer and you're staring at a screen all day and you're wondering where, what to do and your life is just getting nowhere. There is no one-size-fits-all easy answer for how to get your shit together. You have to get in a group and be around a community of people who accepts you for that, accepts you for your faults, and gets under your ass when you fuck up. That's it. Yeah. That's what you have to do. The, the, like, I, I get what you're saying. There is no easy answer, but there is a roadmap out of that situation like what i just talked about about the exercise thing start eating well read a basic book on nutrition join some sort of club be it uh, you have to have people yeah you have to have mma gym. you cannot be responsible for doing it yourself 100 percent. yeah it will never no. work but like join an mma gym even if you don't want to do mma just do like kickboxing classes and stuff like that don't even yeah and you'll be around good people then just don't would... join Andrew Tate's kickboxing class <laughs> yeah <maybe>. not that, <laughs> not that like, uh, but like, join something like that yeah like, for sure people will give you advice people will be friendly towards you if you put the work in if you don't want to do that join a sports team like you don't even have to play a good sport I don't know like I, I genuinely want to I was looking into um, playing walking football in Singapore do you know what that is no I don't it's basically soccer for old men that's played at a walking place. You can't run at all. So like these people should not be doing cuts, right? No, no, no. <laughs> like, we have we have limited ACLs. We yeah. have back pain. Yeah, all, all the things that I uh, suffer from, like with a blown calf. I was like, oh, I reckon I could do that. That'd be all right. Like it doesn't even have to be something strenuous. Go play touch rugby or something like that. But join a team, do a sport, push pull squat, do some basic nutrition, get some sunlight. Happy days, and you can do it all for free. Here's the here's the tough thing about that, though. The tough thing is here's one thing that's the absolute truth, and is without question, if you are trying to get your shit together, you need to have a community of people who accept you for your faults, but will also push you when you fall off the bandwagon. What's whatever it is? Oh, you ate a bunch. You you started drinking again. You you know you went on a bad date, and you feel like you're a piece of shit. Whatever the case may be, you need people, and this is the problem, because you go to a lot of these clubs or get into these social circles, and they can be toxic too, and it can be really tough to actually find the right community for you that balances, A, not putting up with your bullshit, but B, accepting you even through that, right, which is the really, really hard part, because there's so many communities that that are insulated, and you meet people that you totally don't vibe with and if you get in enough of those it can make you jaded toward the whole the whole thing right and if you are one of these these people who's trying to get your shit together and struggling to do it if you put yourself out there and you go into a new community and you you risk it you make yourself vulnerable to try to do this and that community sucks and it doesn't vibe with you or whatever i mean a lot of jiu-jitsu gyms are like this a lot of kickboxing gyms are like this 
it's kind of naive to say that if you're a young person who's maybe not fit, who, who wants to get strong, who wants to look good, who wants to meet girls, who wants to do all of this stuff, that you can just like walk into a jiu-jitsu gym and get your shit together. Like there are a lot of places where you could go, even if you actually had the courage to go and do that, that would not be a good fit. Yeah. And I mean, how many of them are you going to go to? In some sense, it's a little bit of the luck of the draw. Because there are a lot of really shit jujitsu schools. There are a lot of MMA schools that are toxic as fuck. And you can go in there and when you're trying to better yourself, all of a sudden you're getting beaten up. And you're not getting the proper care along the path that you need. You know, This is why I always say my number one thing to all the listeners. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to be an MMA coach. You want to be a martial arts coach, a jiu-jitsu coach. You want to do anything. Everything in life is about gradual exposure and optimal level of difficulty. This is always going to be the number one thing. I have so many friends that try to get in shape. And what they'll do is New Year's rolls around. It's fucking January. I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. Exactly. That is exactly what they do. They squat as much as they can squat. They fucking tear something. They're sore for three days. They go to a gym. It sucks. They give up. The people, you have to get gradual exposure to this stuff. You have to be in a community that knows that. And you have to have optimum level of difficulty. That means it can't be too hard and it can't be too easy. And depending on who you are, that's a wide spectrum. If you're not offering that, then the casual, the person who's overweight that's trying to do this because they like the UFC and they're not trying to fight professionally, but they just want to get, they just want to improve their life. But if they go into this environment where, oh, there's a new white belt that walked in, let's, let's teach him. Yeah. Exactly. Fresh, let's all hail him. Fresh meat, right? <laughs> that, that kind of mentality, which is a lot of gyms. That's how I started. Been there. <laughs> Me too. I remember being terrified. I was an athlete. Right? I was an athlete growing up, and I remember being terrified to go in and spar because I wasn't ready for the level that they were putting on me the first time I went in. And I missed a lot of training. I sat outside the gym in my car like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Fuck, I want to do it, but I don't. Uh, fuck, because I, I think about it all the time. Like, I want to be there, but I don't. And I'm like, am I a pussy? And then you know what? I was a pussy because I sat outside in my car, and I didn't fucking go in that day. Is that a pussy move? Yes, but the problem is, is I wasn't being brought along at a rate where... I was being gradually exposed enough to take away the fear, and I also wasn't being uh, having the optimal level of difficulty where I was going with somebody who would go the appropriate amount of strength with me. The coach on my first ever sparring session dropped me with a knee to the body. That was the mentality that it started with. That is fucking toxic. That is not how you do it. And when you see <clears throat> shit like this, Andrew Tate stuff, and all of these people that promise all of this shit, it's just not how it works. You have to find a coach and a place and a system and uh, an environment that understands that. And it's harder than you think. Yeah, but it is doable. It's doable. Though. Yes. It is doable. I think that's, yeah, my only thing is like, I'll, I'll speak from personal experience. Yeah, I got dengue and I got uh, the Rona last year and I've got a serious calf problem. And I put on like, I was overweight and I just got to a stage where I was like, well, I, I need to sort this out and do something about it because I'm just going to keep getting more and more overweight and things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And it actually wasn't that difficult to sort out. I just had to be a bit focused and a bit of discipline. So I agree with what you're saying and you've got to find the right place and you've got to find the right uh, people to be around. And I'm fortunate, I have that. So yes, you're correct. But it's also not that difficult and you could work it out on your own. Oh, for sure. Oh, you, def you definitely can. 
But at some point, you're going to need the. I mean, even take a simple example, right? Let's say somebody just wants to, you know, put on some muscle. You know, they're the uh, incel type. They're the guy that plays video games, by the way. I'm <laughs> the type of guy that plays video games. You, you know what my life is outside of training? I sit in my house alone or with my wife and I play video games and watch Netflix, okay? So, guys, I'm with you. If I hadn't discovered martial arts, I would probably be that type of guy. I'm introverted. Despite what you may think if you listen to this podcast, outside of my work and outside of the environments where I'm like in control and I feel like I have a strong uh, – strong, I'm a strong piece of the puzzle in the environments that I'm comfortable in. Outside of that, I'm like a complete recluse. I mean I literally do almost nothing other than work and this podcast with you. That's it. When I'm not doing that, I sit at home because that's what I like to do. I'm introverted. I don't get energy from going out, partying, clubbing, doing any of that shit. I get energy from sitting in here in my fucking hole and like playing my <laughs> going, video going games. Going goblin mode. Watching. Totally. That's exactly how I am. Right? So I can relate to that shit. But obviously that's not sustainable. And even if you take a basic person that's like, I want to get stronger. So what do you do? You sign up for the gym. Okay. Well, let's assume A... Maybe you don't have a lot of money to sign up for a gym. B, maybe you don't know anything about fitness. You can watch YouTube videos or whatever, but do you see some of these guys that go into a gym and sometimes I mock it. Sometimes it's fun to watch people go in the gym and fuck around. I have no idea. You know, they're like doing the lat pulls or something and they're flat jumping and flying through the air and I get like a little bit of satisfaction of watching them like have no idea what they're doing. But the reality is, is those people are trying and they don't know and maybe they can't afford a personal trainer and maybe who knows what the various reasons are for whatever. Like yeah. now, nowadays you can watch a YouTube video and kind of figure it out, but it's still trial and error and you're not going to do it perfectly and all that kind of stuff. There's a bigger wall for getting fit, getting strong. Discipline doesn't just happen. Like it's a long path toward discipline and it's easy to say like get your shit together or it requires discipline, but actually putting in a plan and sticking to it in order to do that is extremely difficult, which is why these snake oil salesmen have the liver king types, the Andrew Tate types. They have such a strong voice because everybody wants it to be like that. They just, they're, they're like praying that it's just like, this is the voice I need to hear. This is what I've been waiting for. He's speaking in a way that I understand. But even if you hear that, it doesn't mean that the actual path to applying that knowledge in a way that will benefit you long term, because there is no quick option, getting on the path and maintaining that path is fucking hard. Yeah. And I know it's fucking hard. And listening to these people that promise it quickly is just not how life is. It, It won't work. You need to listen to somebody who rejects that shit. Who rejects this idea of quick improvements and just do this and you're going to have this. All of that is bullshit. It gets increasingly more complex the better you get. It's harder and harder to stay disciplined. It's easier to fall off the wagon the more that you do it. And I don't know. I don't know how much we want to belabor this point. But everybody out there, there's a way. There is a way. Because this is mostly a martial arts community (laughs) listening to this podcast. I guarantee you, everybody that listens to this wants to get good at jiu-jitsu. They want to get good at kickboxing. They want to get good at MMA. They're listening to this. Maybe they're white belts. They're blue belts. You know, they like the way that we talk. They like when we cover the fights. They like the, the shit that we talk. Whatever the case is, but almost everybody, exclusive, 98% of the people listening to this are martial arts and martial artists. And I know exactly what you want. You want to get good. 
You, you want to dedicate more time to this. You want to build those skills. And as easy as it is to sort of take in this sort of large scale marketing that you get of like, I have the answers. That's just not it. Dedication, time, community, eating a lot of shit <laughs> over the years and getting fucked up. Just, just within show me reason, Within yep. reason getting fucked up. That is the only path. That is the only path. And you got to find the right place to do that. And uh, that is how you get to non-toxic masculinity. Like real masculinity. Not women are my property and oh she just needs a good old dick inside her and then she'll get over this climate slash feminism as if they're the same thing oh if you hang about with people who talk like that as well you get get new friends yeah quickest way to i mean unless it's your boys making a joke if it's my boys making a joke they can say literally anything i am not the pc guy trust me i've said some grotesque shit on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that got edited out of this podcast when we were drunk. So listen, I, I do that. I'm not at all the type of person to yes. be like, I, I will say anything to get a laugh, yeah, even sorry. if it's fucked up. But I don't believe it. Yeah, if you, so let me rephrase it then. If you hang around with someone who speaks like that and actually speaks like that all the time and means it, you for sure get new friends. That's exactly right. Yes. Even if they believe like a little bit of it and they kind of say it a few times and you're like, oh, oh actually I got to, I got to, I have, I can't say too much. I'll tell you after the podcast. <laughs> okay. But I had a, an interaction with somebody recently with, who might surprise you. Maybe it wouldn't. But uh, yeah, I'll talk to you about somebody who I kind of got that vibe off of recently after the podcast. Anyway, let's move on from this. We did a I want to see this kick now. So, Oh, yes, please. All right. So in a, in a, in a change of subject here, let's go to Ilya Tapuria's uh, uh, bar fight. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's already thank, there. Thank God that came up so quickly on the search because there's no way I'm spelling that. By the way, Ilya Teporia, one of the best prospects in MMA right now. That win over Bryce Mitchell was crazy. Did you see apparently Bryce Mitchell said he only had like $2,000 left in his account. I guess he had the flu going into this fight. Didn't want to take the fight, but said he only had a couple thousand dollars in the bank and they wouldn't book him until February. Bryce Mitchell was also one of the best prospects in the UFC. And uh, okay. So we're gonna throw this on, but no, no I'm sound. Try. No sound, Jay. Yeah. It's ten minutes. This video may be inappropriate for some users. Yes, that's why we're trying to watch it. <laughs> Everything about this podcast is inappropriate. Okay, so right, just to give some one. context to the listeners, uh, maybe just. Oh, this uh, is just some guy talking about it, though. Yeah. Where's the actual video? If you Google it, you might have oh, more yeah. success. So just to give some listeners, the listeners, a background on the incident we're talking about. So Ilya Teporia, top. Top 10 uh, ranked UFC fighter. Gets into a street fight. It looks like he's... It could be a couple of things. I've heard a little bit of speculation about what's going on. He seems to be either playing a video game or he seems to be at a jukebox. And apparently, there's a singer on the stage and while Ilya's either playing this game or some of the conspiracies that I saw is that maybe he put on the jukebox while some guy was singing. Okay, so I don't know, I don't know what's true. This is just rumors. But he's sitting there on this machine, and all of a sudden, this guy comes in and starts talking to him. And while he's talking to him, you know, the guy pushes him, gets in his face, and Ilya Teporia takes a swing. Here we go. Hang on. Give me yeah, a yeah, for sure. You go ahead and pause it and restart it. And then the most hilarious part. Okay, we could just. Okay, wait, so. Wait, wait. Okay, I'll tell you when it's Just freeze screen. frame it here for a second on the. And you can throw it up on the main. So, first of all, what do you think that is, Jake? He's at some kind of machine. It looks like an arcade machine, right? It does look like he's playing Pong. Is it a? Or is ju- it a jukebox? Is it a jukebox? 
It looks like he's on some kind of joysticks, right? He looks like one of them gambling machines. Like, you know, like a quiz gambling yeah, machine. But they a... make a hell of a lot of noise when you put, like, your dollar in. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because the story is that apparently it was the singer yeah. that was the one who came up and talked to him. So I don't know if he's disrupting a show or whatever, and this guy comes and gets in his face. But I would like you, Jake, just to keep an eye on that table. <laughs> There's a table in the, the bottom part. The, yeah, that's this, the this one. This big table here for the yes. listeners. Keep viewers, an eye on sorry. that table okay, as this uh, thing goes on. Okay, I will So this it. is on Twitter and everywhere. I can't get pulled for this. It's all over the internet. Um, so this guy comes in, gets in his face, shoves him right away. Shoves him again. And Ilya's like, tries to be cool. Gets him. Bang! The teep from hell. <laughs> Did you see that teep? All right, let's bring that back. It's kind of grainy, but... Yeah, if you watch this again, watch his boy come in and teep this dude like Sparta kick 300 through a fucking table. Let's try that again. It is a legendary push kick, man. This is why you train push kicks. So watch as his friend comes up in the bottom right-hand corner. So watching, watch the table, watch the table, watch the table. So his boy gets up. Bam! <laughs> Literally fucking push kicks him through a table. Oh man, shoves him while he play while he plays piano. Uh, what, what did the headline say? Um, allegedly in bar brawl as man shoves him whilst he plays piano with Spanish singer Omar Montez. So yeah, so I don't know what he's doing there. He he might have done something to piss that guy off. I don't know who's at fault. Um, so some background noise. Okay. But either way, that push kick was absolutely legendary. Spectacular. Yeah, and that guy got in and pushed him. Even if he's being a dick, you know, and he picked the wrong dude, man. Like, Ilya Teporia. If you don't know, Ilya Teporia is a guy who fucked up Ryan Hall yep. previously. He just fucked up Bryce Mitchell yep. after that. Like, Ilya Teporia is one of the biggest prospects in MMA. And if you're at a bar, this is... The quintessential definition of like fuck around and find, find out. out. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I had a, um, when I was in Thailand, we were staying on this resort and stuff like that, and it was the case as well of like never ever start a fight with someone because you just don't know who you're fucking with. So they had like free kickboxing lessons and stuff like that at the resort we were staying at. So I was like, oh, go and do some kickboxing one day. So I went along, like uh, just me and this other guy who was pretty cool, this Filipino guy showed up. And we both, yeah, you know, done kickboxing before, so we weren't complete beginners. And the guy who showed up to take the class had been the smiliest, happiest, like poolside attendant sort of thing. You know, like let himself go a bit, like bit of a gut on him and stuff like that. Super nice guy. And then he got us to like wrap our hands. So you could see straight away both of us knew what we were doing. Cause Is he's he like, the trainer? Yeah, well, this is oh. it. Yeah, he showed up to take the class. Oh. But Wait, it, to teach the class or to... Yeah, join, to teach the class. Oh, okay. So... All I'd seen of him so far on the holiday was smiley happy poolside assistant at the bar and stuff like that. Super chill guy and stuff. And then he showed up to take the class with me and this other guy. And he gave us the wraps and said, oh, do you want help wrapping your hand? And both of us said no. And then just wrapped our hands. So he could see straight away we both knew. Because you can tell if someone knows how to wrap the hands. They've yeah, obviously yeah. thrown a punch before. So he could see what we were doing. He's like, oh, good. Like, I'm not going to do the Thai accent. But like, say, <laughs> oh, good. You know, you know, you know. We do proper class today. He fucking hell. He got me to hold a bag for him to show me the kick. Like, throw me some kicking techniques and stuff like that. And he just knocked me across the room with the power of the bag and stuff like that. And he just looked like a normal, you know. He didn't even look like a normal guy. He looked like an old, old, 
of shape, like happy smiley tie guy. If someone had picked a fight with him, he'd have murdered them. So next piece of advice, don't go around picking fights with people. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know. Yep. There could be some guy... Yeah, I see. I love those videos. I see those videos on the internet of all time of just people. They're one of my favorite rabbit holes to go down on YouTube. Is just totally unassuming guys who are maybe in their like 40s or 50s. The best one of all time is that old boxer yeah. with the guy with the long like man bun. Did you ever see that video? Yeah. And he gets in the ring and this like guy looked like he's about in his like late 60s and just fucked him up. Because I've done this for so long that. As soon as I see someone take a stance and take one or two steps, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. tell immediately if they know what they're doing. Yeah, like if, if you pick a fight with someone like an idiot on the street and that person steps back into any sort of combat stance, just walk away. Yeah, yeah, especially even in Thailand, man. In Thailand, if you pick a fight with... You're, you're you a crazy person. You can pick a fight person. with a lady boy and yeah. you have no idea. That person's probably... <laughs> 300 like... fights in Lupini Stadium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so that was the Ilya Taporia thing. What else have we got to cover, Jake? We have the. Uh, should we hit on the Jake Paul thing? Yeah, God. Oh, no, we did mention that briefly at the start about. We just kind of set it up. Yeah. Uh, There's one thing I want to talk about with it, at least, which is uh, kind of an interesting wrinkle. The most interesting thing about the signing is beyond the fact that Jake Paul's going to fight MMA, which is awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that shit for sure. I'm going to really well, stream that. <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, we should live stream that. As will uh, anybody. But. It, I mean, it, for sure, there's a couple interesting aspects of it. Number one is that will probably be the single lar- largest draw outside of the UFC ever. Jake Paul fighting in PFL is going to draw more eyes than anybody other than Conor McGregor would be my guess. Yep. Maybe like a top oh, tier if UFC. He, John Jones maybe draws yeah. more. If he gets like, and the rumors are Diaz, because Diaz is out of contact. That's huge. If it was him versus Diaz, that could That's be the huge. biggest MMA pay-per-view Ever. Probably other than Connor and Diaz, yeah, it would be right there. I don't know. I, th- I it might. think it might be it. You, I mean, you never know. In terms of like popularity, yeah, you never know. Um, but beyond that, what I think is really interesting, beyond just the fact that Jake Paul's fighting, is uh, this, this new uh, way that they're setting it up. Because apparently they're doing it, what do they call it? They called it a super fight league. Which I think Kayla Harrison is also going to join. Probably like Clarissa Shields, a few of the really, really, really high name people yeah. that are part of the promotion, where apparently they split fifty percent of the revenue. And the reason why this is interesting is because Jake Paul has been beating the drum about fighter pay, and him signing with the PFL and getting into a situation where some of these people can get fifty percent of the fight purse may dramatically change the way that fighter pay is structured. Because if you can go to the PFL and join this league and make 50% of the pay-per-view revenue, that's way more than the UFC. And it's always the case that as the competition increases and the pay increases and other things, the UFC and other organizations will have to respond. And, you know, you got one paying $50,000 for all of these bonuses, PFL offering 50%. Yeah, see right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to bring it up, but everything's behind a paywall. Pete. Yeah, yeah, PFL, pay-per-view, super fight, a division that guarantees fighters will receive 50% of the revenue. That is That's what's crazy. the most interesting in terms of the, the effect on the sport. Of course, Jake Paul, as an individual fighter, fighting is huge. But that might have some long-term ramifications on but actually increasing fighter pay. Fighters will go wherever they can be paid most. Yes, of course. Well, anyone in any profession will go wherever they can be paid most. Well, look at the guys in the PFL who got cut from the UFC and then won a million dollars. Yep. Uh, Logan and uh, what was the other guy? Uh, 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 Olivier Aub- Auburn Mercier, the guy who used to fight in the UFC, French Canadian guy. Yeah. 
PFL champions, one million, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All the news is just Jake Paul. Yeah. Yeah, let's see who the most recent winners were because I know uh, Aubin Mercier won and he got cut from the UFC or he left the UFC. I don't know what the case is. He won a million. The guy, I believe his name is Logan. Can you see who the winners are? Who are, who are PFL champions? There you go. Yeah, let's see here. Okay, those are the those are the old ones. Let's see the newest ones. Oh, that's not helpful. Yeah, uh, it will be if you go down. I think the champions must be there somewhere. Yes. 2019, Okay, yes. So keep going down a little bit further. Right, Brandon Logan. That's it. So Brandon Logan won at 145 pounds. I believe. Don't don't switch out of it yet. But if I'm not mistaken, he was on the Dana White Contender Series and. Yes, I remember exactly. He was on the Dana White Contender Series, and they cut him because in a close fight, he did a takedown in the third round to win the fight, to seal the fight. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm every UFC fighter does. Is this Logan? Yeah. yeah. Go to his uh, tough smashes. Keep going. Uh, yeah, let's go down to... No, no, not PFL. Yeah, there you go. Dana White's Contender Series, where despite beating uh, Bill, you'll have to take it over from there. Algeo. He was not given a contract due to Dana White being upset that he went for a takedown in the last minute of a bout. He was dominating. I mean, come on. Like, you can't get mad at I tell you one thing. Usman 100% wishes he did that. Ex- Usman, that's all he did. That's all so many of these fighters did. Chael Sonnen, Usman. No, but in Usman's last fight, if he'd have done that instead of standing toe-to-toe with Leon Edwards, he'd still be champion. But that was all he did in his first career, the first yep. half of his career. Yeah. Was just stick people on the fence and stomp on their feet. That was his whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. was that what fight. Usman did. And then so he goes to the PFL, gets a million dollars after winning. Which one would you prefer? Oh, of course. And then uh, go back for me and go to uh, Aubin Mercier, the other guy who won. Yeah, Olivier Aubin Mercier. I'd just like to see if he got cut or if he left. I believe he got cut. And he had a good record in the UFC. Like a very good. Okay, so... As the last fight of his prevailing contract, Aubin Mercier faced oh, Armand Saryukian. He lost the fight via unanimous decision. So it doesn't say if he was cut or not. But by the way, Armand Saryukian is fucking good. He's really good. So Gilbert Burns, like Aaron Hernandez, Evan Dunham. Go to his record. Let's see the last people he fought before that. It doesn't say whether he got cut. You can just go down, Jake. I just need to see who he fought. Uh, I don't care about the topology thing in this case. Okay, so let's, let's see who he fought in the UFC, his last few fights. Okay, so he went on a streak there. Okay, so first of all, let, let's take a look at this. He beat Drew Dober, who yep. just won, is doing great. He's on a great streak. Drew Dober is a well-known commodity. He beat Evan Dunham, who at one point was like top 10 easily. Lost to Alexander Hernandez, lost to Gilbert Burns, and lost to Armin Suryukian. Not oh, really that, a lot of shame in, in those losses. Lo- they went losses. on a tear in PFL. They went on a tear. Marcin Held, who's fucking really good. Horcher. And then he beat Stevie Ray in the finals by a one-punch KO and won a million dollars in that tournament. I mean, yeah, where would you rather be? And now I'm sure a lot of these guys are going to potentially have pay-per-view options. You know, if you're in a Jake Paul card... Oh, yeah, just that alone is going to make you some... Cash. Listen, Jake Paul is literally doing what he said he's going to do. He's disrupting these leagues. He's disrupting boxing. He's disrupting MMA, and I'm all for it. I am becoming a Jake Paul fan. Oh, if he just stopped calling himself the problem child. 
He I'd is. Be on board. No, no. But I he's like not, it. I'm he's not a child. Man. He's in his twenties. Problem man. You're a man now, not a child. Problem man, child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it, man. I'm into Jake Paul. I'm now, on do board. they test for steroids in PFL? Because if they do, you might they have do. a problem. They Ooh. definitely do. They definitely do. But it's probably it's like the commissions, though. Oh, it's okay. not USADA or anything like that. Yeah. It's the athletic commissions. So listen, I'm into this idea. This is super exciting for PFL. As the competition starts, because th- this is the good thing. Unlike the, the UFC, the UFC product is obviously well-established. It's the number one promotion. But this is huge for PFL because that, that will attract more people. First of all, the million-dollar tournament is huge. You already see people that are getting cut from the UFC. Going there and winning. Or getting cut from the Contender Series where they don't even get a UFC contract going to win a million dollars. And you see people like Kayla Harrison, Clarissa Shields, Jake Paul is now signing with PFL, these guys, Anthony Pettis. And then you look at one, which is dabbling into Muay Thai in Thailand. They have Mikey Musumeci. They have the, the BJJ people. Like these other MMA promotions are starting to do the thing that they should have been doing all along, which is carving out niches. Yeah. They're doing something, things that the UFC can't do or won't do. And because of that, they're able to carve out their own niche within the MMA market, which will allow them to put competitive pressure on the UFC, which is fucking great. I tell you what as well, like, and we spoke about this very often on this podcast. One's rule set is more exciting than the UFC's. And the way you score in one makes the fights more exciting than UFC fights. Yeah, the, the rule set, the fact that they don't allow people to like lay and pray. Yep. The fact that they have BJJ, they have Muay Thai, they have small glove Muay Thai. That's a complete game changer. These are little tiny adjustments that you can make within the realm of your organization that give you a unique yeah. spot case, within the niche. Case in point as well, like several of the past few UFC cards I've watched have been a little bit of a snooze fest with no real knockouts on the card or stuff like that. Like everything going to decision. This is just going from memory. I could be incorrect, but they've not been the most exciting. When was the last time we watched the one card and there weren't a load of brutal knockouts on it? And you're getting so many different <laughs> styles. The, the, one of the most interesting things was I, I was having a conversation with Herb Dean at the last show that we were, we were talking about this. And I remember when Herb did his first show, I think Herb's first show was maybe my fifth show or something like that. So I, I had like a little bit yeah. of experience or whatever. So of course I'm like, fucking Herb Dean. I go up and I, I talk to him and you know we start shooting the shit. I mean, I work literally like five steps away from him and it's fucking Herb Dean. I've been watching him since I was a teenager. So of course I go and I talk with him and he, he was asking me and not just me, he was asking everybody kind of what are they looking for? Because in the UFC, his approach is, he has more of a personal approach. Like he can kind of do it how he wants to do it in yeah. terms of the refing. So his philosophy in the UFC, some referees do it slightly different, but it's generally the same, which is you don't interfere with the fight at all. This is like what Joe Rogan goes on and on about. His philosophy, and this is kind of mirrors Herb's philosophy, is the, the least they see me, the le- yeah. least I interact, the better it is for everybody. And I was on board with that for the longest time because I don't want a referee to interject into the fight. I want the fight to be the fight. So you imagine somebody like Ben Askren, who's a lay and pray guy and he likes to get takedowns and he's busy and sometimes he's not so busy and there are people that do that in varying degrees. One's not like that. One is like action, action, action. And at first, I wasn't into it because I I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't want the referee to stand someone up if they're in a good position on the ground. But over the time, the more that I started to work with one, I changed my mind. And I remember having the conversation with Herb 
where he was like, what are they looking for? And at this point, I'm like I said, five shows deep. I've yeah. gone through the training and everything, and I know what they want. And what they want is action. If you are laying and praying and you're taking somebody down and you're not either advancing the position, ground and pounding, if you're not doing an action that goes toward a finish, they will stand you up and they will stop that shit no matter what. And I used to be against it, and I started to realize, wait a second, I'm gen- like generally speaking more... It's less enjoying the fights yeah. that I watch with one. It's less technical if you're super into your technique and stuff like that. Then it is less technical. But let's face it, most people watching it want to see action, want to see excitement. I don't it's know if it's less that. technical. I think it's just it's it's a different philosophy but, towards like deliberate stalling. Yes, like you. This is literally if you're guys. If you want to get into one one championship, if there's any up and coming fighters listening to this, I'll tell you exactly what they want. And this is where it flipped for me. You're not trying to win rounds, right? Like when I was when I was watching the UFC all the time, and when I was training with UFC fighters, they would do these things where they would try to steal rounds. So like they look for a takedown toward the end of the fight. Mm. When they're when you're looking for a takedown at the end of a round, you're not trying to finish the fight. You're trying to win that round. Okay, is if as far as one is concerned, if you are taking an action that is not positively moving toward a finish, they will start you on the neutral. They will give you a yellow card. They will warn you. You have to because it's not scored round by round. You have to be actively looking for a finish. You are not allowed to just hold somebody down. You have to punch. You have to try to pass. You have to be looking for either an advancement in the position or you have to be causing damage or they will punish you or they will stand you up. It's that simple. And so I was having this conversation with her and then we were at the show in uh, Manila and I was kind of talking to him because now he's done a bunch of the shows. Yeah. And I was like, so what's your opinion on now that you're used to how ones do it? Because now if you look at Herb in one and you look at Herb in the UFC, he refs it completely different. Which is interesting, right? Because in the UFC, Herb does his UFC thing. But in one, he does his one thing. Because in one, he's... Let's, I, I, it was fascinating because I think it was the main event, which was Pacquiao and... Uh, was it the main event? I don't know. One, one of the main fights that he was... He was uh, refing. He was talking way more than I've ever seen Herb talk yeah. in a fight. Like, let's go. Action. He's clapping his hands. Action. Action. Which is what they do at one, right? Yeah. So he's doing it a little bit differently. And I'm, I'm like, God damn it. This is better. Because you're not allowed to, like, steal around with a cheeky takedown at the end and just get on top of somebody. And then, and then oh, got a 10-8. It was a close round. He got a takedown in five seconds, which he couldn't have done anything with. And so the UFC would game these situations. And one, that's going to be awarded for almost nothing because it's a whole fight. It's yeah. rewarding the whole fight. So if you get a takedown with five seconds left, no one cares. who gives a fuck? You didn't do anything with it. You got it, but we're not doing this round by round. Yep. So my point of this is you see PFL, you see one, as MMA becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, you have these companies that are innovating. Innovating within their niche. And as more and more of that happens, it's fucking interesting, man. Because it didn't used to be like that. Everybody copied the UFC model or copied the Pride model. And that's what one did originally. They copied the Pride model. The Pride rules, the Pride gloves, the Pride announcer. But ever since then, now they've switched and they've changed it to how can we change the rules? How can we bring in more of these combat sports? How can we bring in these 
personalities like yeah. Mikey Musumeci, Road Tang. How do we build but, these guys? Lumpini. Yeah, how, how can we appeal to the market? We actually put shows on in yeah. as well because you know, MMA is not as big in countries like Thailand, Vietnam as Muay Thai is. Philippines, dude? Yep. Listen, I've never seen a crowd. I've been to UFCs in multiple places. The Philipp- And anybody who listens to this, if you're like in America and you only watch the UFC and you think, oh, Philippine MMA. Listen, dude. Listen. I was in the Bell Center in Toronto when George St. Pierre fought Jake Shields in one of the biggest thing. Uh, one of the, it was, I believe at the time it was the number one highest selling venue of all time. Like 55,000 people in the Rogers Center. And the Filipino crowd was louder. When Brandon Vera and Pacquiao and Edward Folion came out, dude, the fucking decibel level was ridiculous. I looked around and I was like, holy shit. That was louder than George St. Pierre coming out to fight Jake Shields. Yeah. I couldn't, we could, I couldn't talk to a dude who was like fucking right next to me. It was insane. And this is like what a lot of people will consider to be a small market. Like Filipino, Asian MMA. Listen, there's a fucking serious potential here. And uh, so when I see these, it used to be like the UFC was just eating every organization. Remember they bought out. Pride's library, and then they, they took over Elite XC, and then they bought Elite over Strike Force. Yeah. All of these companies that the UFC just buried because they were copying the UFC's business model and just trying to take talent. That was all they did, but they kept everything the same as the UFC. Same rules, same unified rules, same people, ex-UFC people, whatever. But the way that PFL is doing it and the way that one is doing it is completely different. I think Bellator might need to change a little bit too because Bellator is basically the UFC copy. <laughs> So they are not, Bellator are not only a UFC copy, they're a UFC copy from the mid-2000s because they've got Bader, Fedor coming up or something. Yeah. That's their big fight for 2023. Yeah, so they're kind of doing what all the other companies did, which is try to, be, try to compete with the UFC under the UFC's strengths. These other companies now, like offering 50% fighter share for pay-per-views, Jake Paul, that's a game changer. One stuff, changing the rules... Thai, Muay Thai, small glove, kickboxing. They got Giorgio Petrosian. They've got fucking Mikey, BJJ matches, the Rule 2 brothers. That is a completely different thing than the UFC does. That is how you separate yourself from them. You're not trying to compete with them on their terms. You're creating your own niche. That is where like modern MMA is getting really, really interesting. Also, thanks to one, I can make Thai people like me a lot more because when I was over there, every time I spoke to them on Thai, I'd be like, oh, but Rotang's really good. And they were all, oh, oh Rotang! Rotang! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, dude, I'm going to pee really quick, and then we'll finish off a couple topics and then, and then bounce. Okay, uh, well, let me bring... I don't know what I'm going to talk about while you pee. Okay. Anyway, keep an eye... Oh, so it's just me. I, uh, shall I cut? I don't know. No, it's all right. If you're going to be quick, no, no, keep going, I can, keep I can feel. Okay, so, uh, things to look out for. Uh, me and Luke will go through these in more detail, but there is a big one card coming up. Let me just bring up the card uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, we will do a breakdown for that. Talk you guys through uh, the card. Who we think is going to win? Who we think is going to uh, be successful in that card? Maybe do some, uh, not that we'd encourage such a thing, but, you know, do a little bit of the old uh, illegal betting on it if you want to. Or you might live in a country where betting is legal. So that is absolutely fine. But uh, I will throw this up on the screen for you guys so you can check it out. This is coming up uh, on the 13th, I believe. So featherweight kickboxing at the top of card, Superbon versus Alanzov. 
forgive me if I uh, butcher all the names. Some flyweight kickboxing going on there as well. Some names you'll be more familiar with. We've got the Flyweight Submission Grappling World Championship, where we've got Mikey Muzmechik. Ah, I've butchered that one. Versus, and this is going to go even better, Gantamurbayanduran from Mongolia. All I know about Mongolian grappling is that Mujik is from Mongolia and he's proper good at grappling. So that'll be uh, well worth a watch. Just going through the top of the card, we have uh, Stamp Fairtex uh, fighting there. Atom, Atomweight Mixed Rules. What's that? Is that one of those crazy Muay Thai uh, MMA fights? Never seen one of those before. They're very interesting to watch. Check that one out. Oh, Alang Sang. Alang. See, we need Luke for pronunciation. Versus uh, Gilberto Galvao there. Oh, and again, mention this name whenever you're in Thailand. People will like you a lot more. Rotang there fighting Chiduoyibu. Yeah, solid, solid, solid pronunciation. Solid pronunciation. So we won't break it down in detail here. We've been going a while. Well, but keep, keep going. You're going to love the next one. Oh, oh. Oh, let me try that one up. You can watch Luke Paul be while I do it. Uh, and we have Gary Tonin uh, going against Johnny Nunes. That is going to be an exciting fight. Tonin coming off the back of one of the most brutal knockouts of last year, I'd say. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he tries leg locking this one this time. Yeah, okay, well, let's go to the top of this because uh, this is a pretty fucking good card. I'm kind of jelly that I'm not judging this one, to be honest with you. Um, I would have loved to see this live, Super but I also enjoy cool. watching it from home. Uh, so Superbon and Chingy Zalazov, that is going to be a banger. Those are two of the best kickboxers in the world. That That is low-key one of the – that's definitely – I mean, it's early on in the year, but I've been really excited for this one for a long time. Superbon's amazing. He's the current champ. Chingy Zalazov is one of the top-rated kickboxers in the world. Just brutal, especially his body attacks. Everything is brutal. And then Superlek and Daniel Puerta is really, really good. Mikey's back on the card. I have no idea who Mikey's fighting. He's definitely going to smash this guy. Um, flyweight submission grappling. I don't know who they put Mikey against, but if this is a... Go on, you, I tried fifth to submission grappling. Guy. I don't even know. Gunt Guntumar Bayandurin. We'll have to ring From Mujik. Mongolia. We'll have to speak to Mujik and see if that's right. Mar yeah, Mikey's <laughs> going to wreck that dude. Um, and Stampin, Anissa Mexin. That's going to be an interesting fight. Adam White, mixed rules. I don't know what the mixed rules are because I know Anissa Mexin is a kickboxer. Um, so I'm not sure if they're doing like a round <laughs> so, MMA. So Stamp... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if they're doing like a round of MMA and a round of Last kickboxing. time it was... It might be something like that. He's kickboxing first round, MMA let's, second let's round. Stampin' Anissa Mexin. No, nothing's uh, coming up about what it is. Okay, and then one of the most popular fighters in one, Ungla Insang and Gilberto Gaval. I heard from the people at uh, One. We, we were talking about the Philippine crowd while I was there doing the show in Manila. And everybody kept talking about... Because the Philippine crowd was crazy. Yes. So everybody kept talking about... oh. This is one of the best crowds that we've ever had. And then so I was like, oh, what was the actual like craziest crowd you ever heard? And they told me that it was Angla Insang in Myanmar when he defended his title there because he was a two-division champion. And, of course, he's Burmese. Yep. And Myanmar doesn't have athletes like that on the global stage. And they literally have a Rocky statue of him, like a statue of him built up like the Rocky movie yeah. in, uh, in Myanmar. And they said that the executives were going around the cage telling everybody before, because it was so fucking mental that they were going around telling everybody, if Angla loses this fight, get ready to get the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> yeah. they will burn They'll the riot. cage to the... They're going to freak out. It was that fucking crazy. God, I wish I could have been there. 
But uh, if you want to hear the crowd, go and watch the video, and you'll see hello, Charmaine, and you'll see how mental they were. And even in Singapore, when I was judging his most recent fight, I can't remember who he fought, um, but it was in Singapore. The Singapore crowd went crazy over yeah, him. Yeah. So he's one of the most popular fighters in in one, and it'd be really interesting to see if he could get back into championship form. But it just seems like a Rainier de Ritter has his number. He beat him twice. So uh, yeah, Rotang's but... on the card. Gary Tonin's on the card. Keep going down. Who else do we have? Kim Jae Wung is on the card. He's a top-rated contender. This is a banger, man. Yeah, this is a good card. This is a really good card. This is awesome. Um, okay, go up for me. Oh, Super, Supergirl's on it. And uh, that's Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So if, you, if you're into seeing... What, what is she? 16, 17? I think now yeah. she must be older because when yeah. we first started talking about her, she was... A if, if you're really into watching like super violent teenage girls for some reason, go check her out. She's, She's a killer. She's got knees, man. Yeah, her awesome. knees are just insane. She's got such crazy knees, such range of motion and extension on her knees. And then... Uh, actually, so can you go to the events? Uh, yeah. Come. So I'm going to be judging... You're there, is, aren't you? Bangkok. Is there a list? Linica? Yes, I will be judging the John Lineker one. Ooh, that's going to be good. Tawan Chai and Jamal Yusupov. I don't know who that guy is. Um, and then there's also, can you go to the, where is this one? Go up for me. What's the location? This is Bangkok, right? Yeah, this is Bangkok. Yes. And there's also the one, can you go to the events? There's also the one in Jakarta that I'm, I'm judging. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. All events? Or upcoming events, maybe. Where's the Jakarta one? Singapore Indoor Stadium. Oh, not there for some reason. Mm. Well, there's one in... So I'm doing the, a couple of the Lumpini ones, but there's also one in Jakarta that I'm doing that I don't see in here. I hope they have me doing the fight night. And I'm going to have to kill somebody, but I'm going to get into that America card. I've got to get on the American card. Demetrius Johnson and Marlon Moraes 3. Yep. they got to bring me in for that. Bring me in for that one. Let's go. In America, the first ever one show in the U.S. God, I want to be a part of that so bad. And it's Maurice Johnson 3. And I got to judge the last one, and it was probably like the peak of my professional career was getting to see Demetrius Johnson finish him. You were so happy when DJ won because that fight was on a razor's edge. Oh, oh yeah, because I didn't want to be responsible for (laughs) putting in the decision. And I got to meet him afterwards, which was absolutely insane. I've been watching him fight since I was literally a teenager. And if it's the first one show in the United States, I don't know how I'm going to get on that car, but I will do, I will sell my soul to the demon prince to get, <laughs> to get myself on that car just to be a part of that. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So we hit the one, I think we covered pretty much all of the things I wanted to cover. Jake, was there anything that we forgot? No, I think we're good. I think, uh, saying we'll break the one down in a bit more detail somehow. In case people want a little illegal gamble on it. Yeah, let me see if I got... Yeah, man, I think we pretty much covered everything. That was a fun one, Jake. Good to catch up. Good to catch up. Yeah, we had a nice podcast today. Um, All right, everybody. So you guys know the deal. I laid it out at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to start doing a vlog when I'm doing my judging because when I do judge those fights, they're always on the weekend when I would be free to do the podcast. So just in order to put more content out, I'll make sure that I try and vlog those things. If you guys are into that idea of me doing a vlog, please leave it in the comments. We're going to get some more technique videos coming your way. I know that in the UFC, can you can you just really quick go to the UFC? Is it, uh, I believe it's Umar Nurmagomedov is fighting next weekend. 
And uh, I'll probably do a breakdown video of that when he inevitably submits whoever he's fighting. <laughs> yeah, go down a little further. Kelvin Gastelum and uh, Imanov, that's a good fight. Dan Ige's fighting. Um, who else we got? Ketlin Vieira and Raquel Pennington. Umar. It's Umar Namagomedov. Umar Namagomedov is fighting uh, Howney Barcelos. That's going to be a good one. Unfortunately, go down a little further. Unfortunately, we lost the Jeff Neal, Shavkat, Rahmana fight. I think they rebooked it for March. But we lost that fight, unfortunately. So I'll probably do a breakdown when uh, I believe Umar inevitably subs or destroys his opponent. I'll break that fight down. And then at the end of the month, we got the, the big one. UFC. Glover. Uh, 283. Yeah. With uh, Glover fighting Jamal Hill in that weird fight. Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno 4, which is going to be sweet. Go down a little further for me. Gilbert Burns, Neil Magny, Lauren Murphy, Jessica Andrade. That's a good fucking card. Paul Craig, Johnny Walker. Oof. That one's going to be a good one. That's going to be a good fight. See if Craig can catch his triangle. I can't. I I love watching him fight. He's just... Yeah. I don't know why. Just trying to triangle everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I just love watching him fight. He's so unique. It's such an interesting style. For his striking is pretty rough, but <laughs> but Johnny Walker is yeah, also I tell you weird what, as fuck. John, to watch. Johnny Walker is so lanky and long, and that sort of frame that's quite easy to catch in a triangle. And he's so crazy. He's got such a wild style. That that's why it will be so fun because they're both very unique styles in, in MMA. So we'll break that stuff down. Let me just really quickly. Oh, I don't have my phone. Tell you. So I'm going to be uh, doing the one... Can you go to the uh, calendar real quick, Jake? Just the calendar in the top right? Okay. If you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, no, no, that one. That's the one. Okay. So I will be... The date today is the 7th. So the 20th, I'm doing a one in Lumpini show. And then after that point, it's going to be every other week, I think, pretty much for the next six weeks. Nice. So it should be really interesting to see how the one shows on the Lumpini Stadium go. I, I believe this is genuinely going to be a game changer for MMA in the region. They're doing this in the new Lumpini Stadium, which if you don't know, if you don't follow the Muay Thai a lot, is like the premier Thai boxing stadium. Um, like be- being a Lumpini champion is a big thing. It's the thing. Yeah, the it's thing. the tip in, of the spear. Yeah. There's two major stadiums in, in Thailand. There's Lumpini and there's uh, Raja Damnern. And one is now partnered with Lumpini. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. You can go back and, and, and watch those episodes. But the fact that they're putting on MMA fights in the biggest and most... Uh, the stadium with that holds the largest amount of prestige. Uh, they're going to be putting regular MMA fights on there. I mean, they may even have a at one point a... Lumpini MMA champion. How crazy would that be? And what it's going to do is it's going to start to filter some of these ties with world-class, world-class striking. It may offer a better alternative for higher pay and filter them into MMA so that maybe in these 125, 135-pound weight classes, whether it's in the UFC or one, they can start to bring some of that world-class yeah, Thai like, boxing to MMA. Have fun the rest of the world when you've got like 18-year-olds with 150 professionals kickboxing fights and they learn to stuff a takedown. Yeah. Like, enjoy that. And world. they start getting like purple belts, brown yep. belts, black belts in jiu-jitsu with some wrestling because their clinching already translates so well. They know how to pummel for inside position. Like, if you could just teach some of those guys who have really world-class clinching, basic takedown defense and stand-ups in jiu-jitsu – 
it's gonna it is very applicable yeah like that that style will you've, apply you've got, you've got to go to the mark hunt method with him whereas i read his autobiography and he was like no i didn't learn jujitsu and i didn't learn like how to do a takedown and stuff like that i just learned how to stop all that stuff yeah. and stay on my feet that's all they actually need they don't need to learn jujitsu they just need to learn counter jujitsu do the Derek Derek Lewis method of just stand the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, just I'll just stand up now. I'll just stand up now. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Jake, anything else before we? No. We, uh, shout shout out to if anyone's looking to get a tattoo. Shout out to Charlotte Tattoo Hair and Makeup. You can find him. The guy just did my piece that I showed you earlier. Bang up job. Nice. Amazing. I'm due for one. Maybe I'll check him out. And uh, next week uh, we're having Alvin Ong back on the podcast with uh, one of his buddies who's they're starting up some sort of. Uh, I don't know if it's a media company or some sort of – I've seen the website. They're, they're basically creating a, a, a website and I believe a way to promote local fighters uh, within Singapore. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get more details. I'm going to tout to write for them. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to I, – I would give you more details, but alas, my, my phone is also my camera, so I don't have those details directly in front of me. But uh, next week, Alvin Ong back on the podcast to talk with about some more uh, local fighters. So – if you're into the local scene here in Singapore, please keep an eye out for that podcast. Otherwise, Jake, first one in the books, 2023. Let's put this thing in a rear naked choke, man. This is going to be the year of the podcast. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good things about this year. So everybody, this is the Stronghold Podcast. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. We're looking forward to this year. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.